Chapter 15 of The Ladies' Book of Etiquette and Manual of Politeness by Florence Hartley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Christine Lamberton. Chapter 15 Letter Writing there is no branch of education called so universally into requisition as the art of letter-writing no station high or low where the necessity for correspondence is not felt no person young or old who does not at some time write cause to be written and receive letters from the president in his official capacity with the busy pens of secretaries constantly employed in this branch of service to the irish labourer who unable to guide a pen writes also by proxy to his kinsfolk across the wide ocean all at some time feel the desire to transmit some message word of love business or sometimes enmity by letter yet in spite of the universal need and almost universal habit there are really but very few persons who write a good letter a letter that is at the same time long enough to interest yet not long enough to tire sufficiently condensed to keep the attention and not tedious and yet detailed enough to afford satisfaction that is correct in grammatical construction properly punctuated written in a clear legible hand with the date address signature all in the proper place no words whose letters stand in utter defiance to spelling-book rules in short a well-written letter thousands millions are sent from post to post every day the lightning speed of the telegraph takes its messages from city to city the panting steamer carries from continent to continent its heavy mail-bags laden with its weight of loving messages the iron horse drags behind it its measure of the many missives while in the far distant western wilds the lumbering wagon bears its paper freight with its pen eloquence to cheer and comfort or sadden and crush the waiting emigrants longing for news of home to some who with hearts desolated by the separation from the home circle could read with an eager interest volumes of the most commonplace trivial incidents if only connected with the loved ones there will come pages from the pen of the dearest relative full of learning wit and wisdom wholly uninteresting to the receiver why is this not from any desire upon the part of the writer to display learning or talent but because writing a letter being to them a great undertaking and the letter being designed to go a long distance they look upon it as an event too unusual to be wasted in detailing the simple everyday details of domestic life 
and ransack memory and learning for a subject worthy of the long journey and unusual labour others will have from mere acquaintances long tedious details of uninteresting trivialities and from the near relatives short dry epistles which fall like stones upon the heart longing for little affectionate expressions and home memories from some letter writers who are in the midst of scenes and events of the most absorbing interest letters arrive only a few lines long without one allusion to the interesting matter lying so profusely around them while others with the scantiest of outward subjects will from their own teeming brain write bewitching absorbing epistles read with eagerness laid aside with the echo of oliver twist's petition in a sigh the reader longing for more it is of course impossible to lay down any distinct rule for the style of letter writing embracing as it does all subjects and all classes all countries and associations and every relation in which one person can stand to another what would be an imperative rule in some cases becomes positive absurdity in others every letter will vary from others written before in either its subject the person addressed or the circumstances which make it necessary to write it letter writing is in fact but conversation carried on with the pen when distance or circumstances prevent the easier method of exchanging ideas by spoken word write therefore as you would speak were the person to whom your letter is addressed seated beside you as amongst relatives and intimate friends you would converse with a familiar manner and in easy language so in your letters to such persons let your style be simple entirely devoid of effort again when introduced to a stranger or conversing with one much older than yourself your manner is respectful and dignified so let the letters addressed to those on these terms with yourself be written in a more ceremonious style but at the same time avoid stiffness and above all pedantry a letter of advice to a child would of course demand an entirely different style from that written by a young lady to a friend or relative advanced in years yet the general rule write as you would converse applies to each and every case neatness is an important requisite in a letter to send a fair clean sheet with the words written in a clear legible hand will go a great way in ensuring a cordial welcome for your letter avoid erasers as they spoil the beauty of your sheet if it is necessary to correct a word 
draw your pen through it and write the word you wish to use as a substitute above the one erased do not scratch out the word and write another over it it is untidy and the second word is seldom legible another requisite for a good letter is a clear concise style use language that will be easily understood and avoid the parenthesis important passages in letters are often lost entirely by the ambiguous manner in which they are worded or rendered quite as unintelligible by the blots erasers or villainously bad handwriting a phrase may by the addition or omission of one word or by the alteration of one punctuation mark convey to the reader an entirely different idea from that intended by the writer so while you write plainly use good language you must also write carefully and punctuate properly if you are in doubt about the correct spelling of a word do not trust to chance hoping it may be right but get a dictionary and be certain that you have spelt it as it ought to be simplicity is a great charm in letter writing what you send in a letter is as a general rule intended for the perusal of one person only therefore to cumber your epistles with quotations similes flowery language and a stilted pedantic style is in bad taste you may use elegant language yet use it easily if you use a quotation let it come into its place naturally as if flowing in perfect harmony with your ideas and let it be short long quotations in a letter are tiresome make no attempt at display in a correspondence you will err as much in such an attempt as if when seated face to face with your correspondent alone in your own apartment you were to rise and converse with the gestures and language of a minister in his pulpit or a lecturer upon his platform as everything in style depends upon the subject of the letter and the person to whom it is addressed some words follow relating to some of the various kinds of correspondence business letters should be as brief as is consistent with the subject clear and to the point say all that is necessary in plain distinct language and say no more state in forcible words every point that it is desirable for your correspondent to be made acquainted with that your designs and prospects upon the subject may be perfectly well understood write in such a letter of nothing but the business in hand other matters will be out of place there nowhere is a confused style or illegible writing more unpardonable than in a business letter nowhere a good style and hand more important avoid flowery language too many words 
all pathos or wit any display of talent or learning and every merely personal matter in a business letter letters of compliment must be restricted confined entirely to one subject if passing between acquaintances they should be written in a graceful at the same time respectful manner avoid hackneyed expressions commonplace quotations and long laboured sentences but while alluding to the subject in hand as if warmly interested in it at the same time endeavour to write in a style of simple natural grace letters of congratulation demand a cheerful pleasant style and an appearance of great interest they should be written from the heart and the cordial warm feelings there will prompt the proper language be careful while offering to your friend the hearty congratulations her happy circumstances demand that you do not let envy at her good fortune creep into your head to make the pen utter complaining words at your own hard lot do not dampen her joy by comparing her happiness with the misery of another there are many clouds in the life of every one of us while the sun shines clearly upon the events of your friend's life let her enjoy the brightness and warmth unshadowed by any words of yours give her to the full your sympathy in her rejoicing cheerful words warm congratulations and bright hopes for the future should there be at the time of her happiness any sad event you wish to communicate to her of which it is your duty to inform her write it in another letter if you must send it the same day do so but let the epistle wishing her joy go alone unclouded with the news of sorrow at the same time avoid exaggerated expressions of congratulation lest you are suspected of a desire to be satirical and avoid underlining any words if the language is not forcible enough to convey your ideas you will not make it better by underlining it if you say to your friend upon her marriage that you wish her joy in her new relations and hope she may be entirely happy in her domestic life you will make her doubt your wishes and think you mean to ridicule her chances of such happiness letters of condolence are exceedingly trying both to read and to write if the affliction which calls for them is one which touches you nearly really grieving and distressing you all written words must seem tame and cold compared with the aching sympathy which dictates them it is hard with the eyes blinded by tears and the hand shaking to write calmly and it is impossible to express upon paper all the burning thoughts and words that would pour forth were you beside the friend whose sorrow is yours if you do not feel the trial 
your task is still more difficult for no letters demand truth spoken from the heart more than letters of condolence do not treat the subject for grief too lightly write words of comfort if you will but do not appear to consider the affliction as a trifle time may make it less severe but the first blow of grief must be heavy and a few words of sincere sympathy will outweigh pages of mere expressions of hope for comfort or the careless lines that show the letter to be one of mere duty not feeling let your friend feel that her sorrow makes her dearer to you than ever before and that her grief is yours to treat the subject with levity or to wander from it into witticisms or everyday chit-chat is a wanton insult unworthy of a lady and a friend do not magnify the event or plunge the mourner into still deeper despondency by taking a despairing gloomy view of the sorrow under which she is bent show her the silver lining of her cloud try to soothe her grief yet be willing to admit that it is a cloud and that she has cause for grief to throw out hints that the sorrow is sent as a punishment to an offender to imply that neglect or imprudence on the part of the mourner is the cause of the calamity to hold up the trial as an example of retribution or a natural consequence of wrong-doing is cruel and barbarous even if this is true indeed if this is the case it only aggravates the insult avoid such retrospection it is as if a surgeon called into a patient suffering from a fractured limb sat down inattentive to the suffering to lecture his patient upon the carelessness which caused the accident one of the most touching letters of condolence ever written was sent by a literary lady well known in the ranks of our american authoresses to her sister who had lost her youngest child the words were few merely sister darling i cannot write what is in my heart for you to-day it is too full filled with a double sorrow for you my own grief tears blind me my pen trembles in my hand oh to be near you to clasp you in my arms to draw your head to my bosom and weep with you darling god comfort you i cannot s that was all yet the sorrowing mother said that no other letter though she appreciated the kind motive that dictated all yet none comforted her as did these few lines written from the heart their simple eloquence touched the heart for which they were intended 
early stages of great grief rejects comfort but they long with intense longing for sympathy letters written to gentlemen should be ceremonious and dignified if the acquaintance is slight write in the third person if there is a necessity for a letter if a business letter be respectful yet not servile it is better to avoid correspondence with gentlemen particularly whilst you are young as there are many objections to it still if a friend of long standing solicits a correspondence and your parents or husband approve and permit compliance with the request it would be over prudish to refuse write however such letters as if they were printed in the newspapers would cause you no annoyance if the acquaintance admits of a frank friendly style be careful that your expressions of good will do not become too vehement and avoid any confidential communications when he begins to ask you to keep such and such passages secret believe me it is quite time to drop the correspondence letters of inquiry especially if they request a favor should contain a few lines of compliment if the letter is written upon a private subject such as inquiry with regard to the illness or misfortune of a friend avoid making it too brief to write short careless letters upon such subjects is unfeeling and they will surely be attributed to motives of obligation or duty not to interest letters of inquiry referring to family matters should be delicately worded and appear dictated by interest not mere curiosity if the inquiry refers to matters interesting only to yourself enclose a postage stamp for the reply in answering such letters if they refer to your own health or subjects interesting to yourself thank the writer for the interest expressed and answer in a satisfactory manner if the answer interests your correspondent only do not reply as if the inquiry annoyed you but express some interest in the matter of the letter and give as clear and satisfactory reply as is in your power letters offering favors be careful in writing to offer a favor that you do not make your friend feel a heavy weight of obligation by overrating your services the kindness will be duly appreciated and more highly valued if offered in a delicate manner too strong a sense of obligation is humiliating so do not diminish the real value of the service by forcing the receiver to acknowledge a fictitious value let the recipient of your goodwill feel that it affords you as much pleasure to confer the favor as it will give her to receive it a letter accompanying a present should be short and gracefully worded 
the affectionate spirit of such little epistles will double the value of the gift which they accompany never refer to a favor received in such a letter as they will give your gift the appearance of being payment for such favor and make your letter of as about as much value as a tradesman's receipted bill letters of thanks for inquiries made should be short merely echoing the words of the letter they answer and contain the answer to the question with an acknowledgment of your correspondent's interest if the letter is your own acknowledgment of a favour conferred let the language be simple but strong grateful and graceful fancy that you are clasping the hand of the kind friend who has been generous or thoughtful for you and then write even as you would speak never hint that you deem such a favour an obligation to be returned at the first opportunity although this may really be the case it is extremely indelicate to say so in your letter gracefully acknowledge the obligation and if at a later day you can return the favour then let actions not words prove your grateful recollection of the favour conferred upon you if your letter is written to acknowledge the reception of a present speak of the beauty or usefulness of the gift and of the pleasant associations with her name it will always recall letters of recommendation should be truthful polite and carefully considered such letters may be business letters or they may be given to servants and they must be given only when really deserved do not be hasty in giving them remember that you are in some measure responsible for the bearer therefore never sacrifice truth and frankness to a mistaken idea of kindness or politeness letters of introduction must be left unsealed they must not contain any allusion to the personal qualities of the bearer as such allusion would be about as sure a proof of ill-breeding as if you were sat beside your friend and ran over the list of the virtues and talents possessed by her the fact that the person bearing the letter is your friend will be all sufficient reason for cordial reception by the friend to whom the letter is addressed the best form is philadelphia june eighteenth eighteen my dear mary this letter will be handed to you by mrs c to whom i am pleased to introduce you certain that the acquaintance thus formed between two friends of mine of so long standing and so much beloved will be pleasant to both parties any attention that you may find it in your power to extend to mrs c whilst she is in your city will be highly appreciated and gratefully acknowledged by your sincere friend a letters of advice should not be written unsolicited 
they will in all probability even when requested be unpalatable and should never be sent unless they can really be of service write them with frankness and sincerity to write after an act has been committed and is irrevocable is folly and it is also unkind you may inform your friend that had you been consulted a different course from the one taken would have been recommended and you may really believe this yet it will probably be false seeing the unfavorable result of the wrong course will enable you fully to appreciate the wisdom of the right one but had you been consulted when the matter was doubtful you would probably have been as much puzzled as your friend to judge the proper mode of action you should word a letter of advice delicately stating your opinion frankly and freely but giving it as an opinion not as a positive law if the advice is not taken do not feel offended as others more experienced than yourself upon the point in question may have also been consulted let no selfish motive govern such a letter think only of the good or evil to result to your friend and while you may write warmly and earnestly let the motive be a really disinterested one letters of excuse should be frank and graceful they must be written promptly as soon as the occasion that calls for them admits if delayed they become insulting if such a letter is called forth by an act of negligence on your own part apologize for it frankly and show by your tone that you sincerely desire to regain the confidence your carelessness has perilled if you have been obliged by positive inability to neglect the fulfillment of any promise you have given or any commission you have undertaken then state the reason for your delay and solicit the indulgence of your friend do not write in such stiff formal language that the apology will seem forced from you but offer your excuse frankly as if with a sincere desire to atone for an act of negligence or remove a ground of offence letters of intelligence are generally the answer to letters of inquiry or the statement of certain incidents or facts interesting both to the writer and reader of the letter be careful in writing such a letter that you have all the facts in exact accordance with the truth remember that every word is set down against you if one item of your information proved to be false and do not allow personal opinion or prejudice to dictate a single sentence never repeat anything gathered from mere hearsay and be careful in such a letter that you violate no confidence nor force yourself upon the private affairs of any one do not let scandal or a mere love of gossip 
dictate a letter of intelligence if your news is painful state it as delicately as possible and add a few lines expressive of sympathy if it is your pleasant task to communicate a joyful event make your letter cheerful and gay if you have written any such letter and after sending it find you have made any error in a statement write and correct the mistake immediately it may be a trivial error yet there is no false or mistaken news so trifling as to make a correction unnecessary invitations are generally written in the third person and this form is used where the acquaintance is very slight for formal notes and cards of compliment the form is proper upon such occasions but should be used only in the most ceremonious correspondence if this style is adopted by a person who has been accustomed to write in a more familiar one to you take it as a hint that the correspondence has for some reason become disagreeable and had better cease autograph letters should be very short merely acknowledging the compliment paid by the request for the signature and a few words expressing the pleasure you feel in granting the favor if you write to ask for an autograph always enclose a postage stamp for the answer date every letter you write accurately and avoid postscripts politeness kindness both demand that every letter you receive must be answered nothing can give more pleasure in a correspondence than prompt replies matters of much importance often rest upon the reply to a letter and therefore this duty should never be delayed in answering friendly letters it will be found much easier to write what is kind and interesting if you sit down to the task as soon as you read your friend's letter always mention the date of the letter to which your own is a reply never write on a half sheet of paper paper is cheap and a half sheet looks both mean and slovenly if you do not write but three lines still send the whole sheet of paper perfectly plain paper thick smooth and white is the most elegant when in mourning use paper and envelopes with a black edge never use the gilt edged or fancy bordered paper it looks vulgar and is in bad taste you may if you will have your initials stamped at the top of the sheet and on the seal of the envelope but do not have any fancy ornaments in the corners or on the back of the envelope you will be guilty of a great breach of politeness if you answer either a note or letter upon the half sheet of the paper sent by your correspondent even though it may be left blank never write even the shortest note in pencil it looks careless and is rude never write a letter carelessly 
it may be addressed to your most intimate friend or your nearest relative but you can never be sure that the eye for which it is intended will be the only one that sees it i do not mean by this that the epistle should be in a formal studied style but that it must be correct in its grammatical construction properly punctuated with every word spelt according to rule even in the most familiar epistles observe the proper rules for composition you would not in conversation even with your own family use the incorrect grammar or impertinent language therefore avoid saying upon paper what you would not say with your tongue notes written in the third person must be continued throughout in the same person they are frequently very mysterious from the confusion of pronouns yet it is a style of correspondence much used and very proper upon many occasions for compliment inquiry where there is no intimacy between the parties from superiors to inferiors the form is elegant and proper if you receive a note written in the third person reply in the same form but do not reply thus to a more familiar note or letter as it is insulting and implies offence taken if you wish to repel undue familiarity or impertinence in your correspondent then reply to the epistle in the most formal language and in the third person it is an extraordinary fact that persons who have received a good education and who use their pens frequently will often in writing notes commence in the third person and then use the second or first personal pronoun and finish by a signature thus miss clare's compliments to mr james and wishes to know whether you have finished reading my copy of jane eyre as if mr james had finished it i would like to lend it to another friend sincerely yours ella clare the errors in the above are too glaring to need comment yet with only the alteration of names it is a copy verbatim of a note written by a very well-educated girl never sign a note written in the third person if you begin the note with your own name it is admissible if the note is worded in this way will mr james return by bearer the copy of jane eyre he borrowed if he has finished reading it and oblige his sincere friend ella clare if you use a quotation never omit to put it in quotation marks otherwise your correspondent may however unjustly accuse you of a desire to pass off the idea and words of another for your own avoid postscripts above all never send an inquiry or compliment in a postscript to write a long letter upon various subjects and in the postscript 
desire to be remembered to your friend's family or inquire for their welfare instead of a compliment becomes insulting it is better if you have not time to write again and place such inquiries above your signature to omit them entirely nobody likes to see their name mentioned as an afterthought punctuate your letters carefully the want of a mark of punctuation or the incorrect placing of it will make the most woeful confusion i give an instance of the utter absurdity produced by the alteration of punctuation marks turning a sensible paragraph to the most arrant nonsense caesar entered on his head his helmet on his feet armed sandals upon his brow there was a cloud in his right hand his faithful sword in his eye an angry glare saying nothing he sat down by using precisely the same words merely altering the position of the punctuation marks we have caesar entered on his head his helmet on his feet armed sandals upon his brow there was a cloud in his right hand his faithful sword in his eye an angry glare saying nothing he sat down be careful then to punctuate properly that you may convey to the reader the exact sense of what is in your mind if you receive an impertinent letter treat it with contempt do not answer it never answer a letter by proxy when you are able to write yourself it is a mark of respect and love to answer in your own hand all letters addressed to you if you are obliged to write to a friend to refuse to grant a favor asked you will lessen the pain of refusal by wording your letter delicately loving words if it is a near friend respectful kind ones if a mere acquaintance will make the disagreeable contents of the letter more bearable try to make the manner smooth and soften the hardness of the matter every letter must embrace the following particulars first the date second the complimentary address third the body of the letter fourth the complimentary closing fifth the signature sixth the address there are two ways of putting the date and the address the first is to place them at the top of the sheet the other is to place them after the signature when at the top you write the name of your residence or that of the city in which you reside with the day of the month and the year at the right hand of the first line of the sheet then at the left hand of the next line write the address then the complimentary address below the name thus willow grove new york june twenty seventh eighteen fifty nine mrs e c howell my dear madam i received your letter etc 
at the end of the letter on the right hand of the sheet put the complimentary closing and then the signature thus i remain my dear madam with much respect yours sincerely s e law if you place the date and address after the signature put it at the left of the sheet thus i remain my dear madam with much respect yours sincerely s e law mrs e c howell june twenty seventh eighteen fifty nine for a long letter it is better to put the date and address at the top of the page for a letter of only a few lines which ends on the first page the second form is best in a letter written to a person in the same city you need not put the address under the signature if not write it s e law willow grove new york in writing to a dear friend or relative where there is no formality required you may omit the name at the top of the letter put the date and address thus willow grove new york june twenty seventh eighteen fifty nine dear anna i write etc it is best however to put the full name at the bottom of the last page in case the letter is mislaid without the envelope thus e c law miss anna wright if you use an envelope and this custom is now universal fold the letter neatly to fit into it then direct on the envelope put first the name then the name of the person to whose care the letter must be directed then the street the city and state if the town is small put also the county this is the form miss anna wright care of mr john c wright number forty lexington street greensburg lee county mass if the city is a large one new york philadelphia baltimore or any of the principal cities of the union you may omit the name of the county if your letter is to go abroad add the name of the country as england or france in full under that of the city the name of the state is usually abbreviated and for the use of my readers i give the names of the united states with their abbreviations maine m e new hampshire n h vermont v t massachusetts m a s s rhode island r i connecticut c o n n new york n y new jersey n j pennsylvania p a or p e n n delaware d e l maryland m d virginia v a north carolina n c south carolina s c georgia g a or g e o alabama a l a mississippi m i s s missouri m o louisiana l a 
Tennessee, T-E-N-N, Kentucky, K-Y, Indiana, I-N-D, Ohio, O, Michigan, M-I-C-H, Illinois, I-L-L, Wisconsin, W-I-S, Arkansas, A-R-K, Texas, T-E-X, Iowa, I-O, Florida, F-L-O, Oregon, O, California, C-A-L, Minnesota, M-I-N-N, District of Columbia, D-C. If you are writing from another country to America, put United States of America after the name of the state. On the upper right-hand corner of your envelope, put your postage stamp. If you send a letter by private hand, write the name of the bearer in the lower left-hand corner, thus. Mrs. E. A. Howell, Clinton Place, Boston, Mr. G. G. Lane. In directing to anyone who can claim any prefix or addition to his proper name, do not omit to put that Republican title. For a clergyman, R.E.V. for Reverend is put before the name thus. R.E.V. James C. Day. For a bishop, write Reverend E. Banks. For a physician, D.R. James Curtis. Or James Curtis, M.D. For a member of Congress, H.O.N.E.C. Delta. For an officer in the Navy, C.A.P.T. Henry Lee, U.S.N. For an officer in the Army, C.O.L. Edward Holmes, U.S.A. For a professor, P.R.O.F. E.L. James. If the honorary addition L.L.D. A.M or any such title belongs to your correspondent, add it to his name on the envelope, thus, J. L. Peters, L. L. D. If you seal with wax, it is best to put a drop under the turnover, and fasten this down firmly before you drop the wax that is to receive the impression. Cards of compliment are usually written in the third person. I give a few of the most common and proper forms. For a party, Miss Lee's compliments to Mr. Bates for Wednesday evening, November 18th at 8 o'clock. Addressed to a lady, Miss Lee requests the pleasure of Miss Howard's company on Wednesday evening, November 18th at eight o'clock for a ball the above form with the word dancing in the left-hand corner invitations to dinner or tea specify the entertainment thus mrs garrett's compliments to mr and mrs howard and requests the pleasure of their company to dine or take tea on wednesday november sixth at six o'clock the form for answering is 
Miss Howard accepts with pleasure Miss Lee's polite invitation for Wednesday evening, or Miss Howard regrets that a prior engagement will prevent her accepting Miss Lee's polite invitation for Wednesday evening. Mr. and Mrs. Howard's compliments to Mrs. Garrett and accept with pleasure her kind invitation for Wednesday. Or, Mrs. Howard regrets that the severe illness of Mr. Howard will render it impossible for either herself or Mr. Howard to join Mrs. Garrett's party on Wednesday next. Upon visiting cards left when the caller is about to leave the city, the letters PPC are put in the left-hand corner. They are the abbreviation of the French words pour prendre congé, or may, with equal propriety, stand for presents, parting compliments. Another form, PDA, pour dire adieu, may be used. No accomplishment within the scope of human knowledge is so beautiful in all its features as that of epistolary correspondence. Though distance, absence and circumstances may separate the holiest alliances of friendship, or those who are bound together by the still stronger ties of affection, yet the power of interchanging thoughts, words, feelings and sentiments through the medium of letters adds a sweetness to the pain of separation, renovating to life and adding to happiness. The wide ocean may roll between those who have passed the social years of youth together, or the snow-capped Alps may rise in sublime grandeur, separating early associates. Still, young remembrances may be called up, and the paradise of memory made to bloom afresh with unwithered flowers of holy recollection though we see not eye to eye and face to face where the soft music of a loved voice may fall with its richness upon the ear yet the very soul and emotion of the mind may be poured forth in such melody as to touch the heart that's far away and melt down the liveliest eye into tears of ecstatic rapture without the ability to practice the refined art of epistolary correspondence men would have become cold and discordant an isolated compound of misanthropy they would fall off in forsaken fragments from the great bond of union which now adorns and beautifies all society absence distance and time would cut the silken cords of parental brotherly and even connubial affection early circumstances would be lost in forgetfulness and the virtues of reciprocal friendship waste their sweetness on the desert air since then the art and practice of letter writing is productive of so much refined and social happiness a laudable indulgence in it must ever be commendable 
while it elevates the noble faculties of the mind it also chastens the disposition and improves those intellectual powers which would otherwise remain dormant and useless notwithstanding the various beauties and pleasures attendant upon the accomplishment yet there are many who have given it but a slight portion of their attention and have therefore cause to blush at their own ignorance when necessity demands its practice there is no better mode by which to test the acquirements of either a young lady or gentleman than from their letters letters are among the most useful form of composition there are few persons who can read or write at all who do not frequently have occasion to write them and an elegant letter is much more rare than an elegant specimen of any other kind of writing the more rational and elevated the topics are on which you write the less will you care for your letters being seen or for paragraphs being read out of them and where there is no need for any secrecy it is best not to bind your friend by promises but to leave it to her discretion End of chapter 15